So we have been doing this series, How Do I Know I'm Saved? Um, and so it's been a short series, and today is going to be the last part of that tonight, uh, today. So I actually, um, so I grew up in a Christian home, and for me, in fifth grade, I prayed the prayer and asked Jesus in my heart, right? And then when I went to a church camp, I did it again, made sure I prayed that prayer, and then I did it again and again and again. I've, I've asked Jesus in my heart like a whole bunch of times because I never felt sure, and I was always wondering if I was actually saved. Um, and so I don't know if maybe some of you have ever experienced that too, I've actually been really thankful for this series because I wish I had had something like this, um, messages like this for me growing up, um, because we all have moments in our life where we question, um, am I saved? Is, is my faith genuine? Um, if I really do believe, but like, how do I know this is the right religion that I'm supposed to be believing in, which is a whole other topic in itself. Um, there's actually a ton of proof that Jesus is Lord. We can talk about that. Come find me. Um, but we've all have moments of doubt in our life. But I think the scariest thing to think about is that if you think you're saved, but then you get to the end and you're not. So what do we do about like false assurances and how do we move beyond that? Um, so I think there's some things that we can fall into and that take the place of the one who is the only one who can save us, Christ. And we tend to lean on these other things. Um, so I actually don't have a clicker. Are you doing those slides? Well, <laughs> look at that. Okay, so the first thing is um, public commitment or baptism. <clears throat> so like outward, this outward expression of saying, I believe. So I know that, like I said, anytime I went to a church camp or conference, and if they said, if you want to dedicate your life to Christ, come down to the front and we'll pray over you. I came down every single time. I was like, you know, I've already prayed this prayer, but I should probably come down just in case, you know, like seal the deal just in case, and because that's what they're telling me to do, right? Um, but how stressful that I think that I need to keep doing that just to make sure that I'm going to go to heaven, um, as if I have something to do with it. But coming down to the front is not what makes you a Christian. And this is especially dangerous in the Bible Belt when we have so many opportunities to outwardly say, hey, I'm a, I'm a believer, I believe in Christ, this is, this is what I want to follow. Um, and so we can, it can be easy for us to think, because I did this one thing, then sure, I'm golden. And just like baptism, baptism itself does not save us. Um, it's important, however, Jesus tells us, go and be baptized in my name. But that in itself is an expression of what has already happened in our lives. So from a changed heart, so when our life is already dedicated to Christ, then we have these outward expressions that will happen, like, you know, coming up to the front or making this public commitment or baptism. <clears throat> um, so the next thing that we can fall into is involvement in church or having a Christian family that we think we can rely on these things. Um, so actually, I skipped a verse. Um, so go back to that verse. Jesus himself says that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So as I was saying, just because you've made a public declaration doesn't necessarily mean a changed heart on the inside. So at home, we have these two desserts that we love, that we eat very, very often. One is a cookie bowl, which is literally just an underbaked cookie in a bowl. And the other one is a lava cake, which is kind of like a cake brownie, and um, 
So if I mixed up all the ingredients for a lava cake, and I put it in my ramekin, and I put it in the oven, and then I said, you are now a cookie bowl. I mean, what's going to come out of the oven is a lava cake, because on the inside, the ingredients are for lava cakes. But if I change the ingredients on the inside, and then what will come out will be changed. It will be a cookie bowl. <clears throat> so our hearts need to change on the inside for us to really have a new identity on Christ when we really love Christ and have a changing faith in him. And then you'll see the change on the outside. And so even though he says, Lord, Lord, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father. So we doing the will of the father, following after God. But this is where we can be tempted to rely on works as a means of salvation, right? But late, Jesus later in chapter 15 of Matthew says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they do worship me. So honestly, if I looked back in my life, growing up my whole life up until halfway through college, this was me. Um, you know, if somebody asked me, are you a Christian and why? I would have said, well, sure. I mean, I prayed the prayer, you know, multiple times. Um, I also, I go to church, I grew up in a Christian family, and I do lots of good things. Like, I do everything that's right. I am a rule follower, so they've told me to do that, and I will do it. Um, but I didn't understand the gospel at that point. My heart was not in it. Where was Jesus in that explanation? All it was was me, 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 me. I've done this, or my family is like this, and it had nothing to do with Jesus, who is the center of our faith. So saving faith is about recognizing the promises of God and the work of Christ on the cross, that he really did die and rise again after three days for you. Your sins are truly covered because of him. And now if we believe in him and love God, then our hearts are changed, and therefore we desire to walk in obedience, and you will see that outward expression in our life from a changed heart. So when we have faith in Christ, our lives are changed, and a product of that is when we see fruit in our life. So going to church, doing good things, I mean, those happen as a product of your faith. James says, faith apart from works is dead. So if you have genuine saving faith, then it is evident in the way we live our lives. But we have to be careful because those works are not what saves us. So you know, whenever you were a kid and you played make-believe um, and pretend, I mean, we all did it, uh, my kids right now, they're six and three, and so they love to play doctor. Uh, my daughter even has, like, a little doctor kit. And so Dr. Luke and Dr. Riley always have to come and fix me up. They, like, check for bugs in my ears. That's, like, the thing you do when you're a doctor, right? Um, and so just because they are claiming they're a doctor and they are pretending they're a doctor, they even have the doctor gear, that doesn't make them a doctor, right? So we can do hundreds of good things in our life. We can do all the right things, but it is only Christ who redeems you and renames you, not the things that you do. So you might be a good person, but at the end of the day, we've all still sinned, right? You're going to lose track. If you tried to count it, you would lose track of how much you have broken God's law and God's commands for us. And how are you going to account for that before a holy and just God? You can't, but Christ already has. Uh, my freshman year of college, my mom was encouraging me to go and find a church. I just moved to UT, and I'm from Lubbock, so I knew no one, because no one from Lubbock usually goes to UT. They go to tech, and so I was by myself in Austin, 
And so she was like, you need to go find a church. You need to go find a church. And I was like, okay. And it was then that I realized not only was I alone, like physically, but I was also alone in my decisions. Like nobody would know if I was going to go to church or not. Um, We didn't have social media back then. And so I had to decide for myself, am I going to make my faith my own? Am I going to actually decide to pursue this relationship with Christ? Because this is not like high school where I was, for me personally, I just coasted along and they told me to go to church, so I did. I went to church. I did the right thing. Um, and so it was my, fa- my parents' faith. But in college, I had to decide to make it my own faith. Because you are accountable before yourself, before God. So your parents' faith or your friends' faith and their commitment to God doesn't get you bonus points to heaven. Um, so you have to make your faith your own and take ownership in our relationship with God. So another thing that we can sometimes fall back on are uh, life-changing experiences or material blessings. So these are just other things. So like our assurance of salvation is in the work of Christ. So it's not in these outward moments that we have in our life. It's not in good deeds that we do, um, because surely those are going to be outweighed by all the bad deeds that we do. And it's not based off of life-changing experiences that, you know, just change you forever, because people in other religions can boast that as well. Um, you know, everybody always has something like, oh, this just changed my life. But, you know, people say that about diets, too. Like, this has just changed me forever. Um, but notice how, again, it's all me-focused. Like, we can't say, oh, God must love me because he's given me all of this wealth, right? So I'm, therefore I'm in. But that has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with me and everything to do about Jesus. So the last one is, a false understanding of God. And this is something I think that we probably all have fallen into at some point and maybe not even recognize it. Um, So I hate the phrase, to each his own. Y'all heard that, right? To each his own. Um, And the reason I hate it is because in college, I had a friend who was making a lot of really poor choices that we both knew were not right. Um, I mean, it went against what God has commanded of us, but then also is just harmful to herself, um, as sin oftentimes is. And so when I confronted her, she just said, oh, you know, chill out to each our own, or to each their own. Okay, well, I know we're all unique individuals, like we all have different ways of going about things, different interests, and different ways that we want to live our life. Sure, yes, be you, be who you are. However, we also all live under the same God in the same law. God is the same in past, present, and future. He doesn't change ever, and his ideas of morality don't change on a person-to-person basis. So you can't turn God into the type of God that you want that fits into your box because you don't want to budge, and you want to make him your own personal God. He wouldn't be God then if that was the case. And I know it's hard to fathom because there's so many things in our world and our culture that says, like, you know, you do, you follow your heart, this is the right way to do it, you do what you want, Um, even though sometimes we know that it goes against what God has deemed as righteous, and it's counter-cultural. But that's why it's so important to make our faith our own, and spend time to get to know God, so that you can know if you're living in his truth, so that you can discern right from wrong, and that you can um, recognize if you're just trying to make him fit into your life, because you don't want to stop doing what you're doing, or if you truly are pursuing him and what he has deemed as right. 
Do you know that um, government agents will, they learn how to spot counterfeit money by studying and analyzing the, right, the real money. So they, they learn every single aspect and detail of true money. I mean, they know the ins and the outs so that whenever they see counterfeit money, they're immediately able to recognize the fake. And that is how we need to see our lives with God. So we need to turn to truth and God's word and know it so well, know it in and out so that you're able to discern for yourself if you're walking in truth, when you can recognize falseness or, or lies that are coming at us in our culture um, so that you can see if you're truly loving God with your whole heart, soul, and mind. So we need to do self-reflection. In 2 Corinthians 13, it says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. So we need to look at our attitudes toward God and toward salvation. Because it can be easy for us to coast in this, right? We think, oh, I've got time. I'll figure that out later. Like, it'll just work out. I mean, Jesus actually says he's coming back like a thief in the night. So, like, you don't actually know how much time you have. Um, and according to this verse, we need to be aware. We need to be aware of what we're believing in, be aware of what we're relying on. Are you relying on good deeds or your, the fact that your parents go to church? Or are you trusting in Christ yourself and truly understand that he really did willingly cover your sins for you. So Jesus warns us multiple times in the Gospels um, against having this false sense of um, assurance. And it's kind of Debbie Downer, but it's also kind of a mercy that he would tell us that, right? That he would warn us to be awake, to be ready, that he will come like a thief in the night. Because we need to examine ourselves to see if we have a genuine faith in the work of Jesus, or are we relying on outward things to make us good enough? So my prayer for you guys is just that we would make, that you would make your faith your own, that you would just really sit and think to yourself, this summer is a great time. When school is over, activities are mostly over, sit and think to yourself, do you know what you believe? Do you know why you believe? Is having a relationship with Christ important to you? Or are you going through the motions because it's the right thing to do? Or are there areas in your life that you're not willing to set aside because it's just more exciting to you than Christ is? Um, in college, I met with a lady from Campus Crusade. It's a Christian organization. And she was wanting to encourage me to share my faith with the girls in my organization. So I said, oh, yeah, that's great. So we met, and she's like, okay, so do you want to share the gospel with these girls? I was like, absolutely. And I was like, quick question what is the gospel? Um, seriously, guys, I've grown up in the church, and I was like, what is the gospel? We hear that word all the time in church, but if the gospel is the basis of our salvation, that means you have to believe in it, right? And if you're going to believe in it, then you should probably know somewhat about it, right? But if I asked you, could you write it down? Could you tell me what it is? So, and we're, we're going to talk about that in discussion. I want y'all to talk about that. Um, there's a quote from Joel Beek that says, The Christian cannot experience high levels of genuine assurance and while he participates in low levels of obedience. So if you're not sure, if you've had questions, <clears throat> or you're not sure what the gospel is, you go to the source. Because God's word has everything that you need, and the Spirit will confirm and reveal his truth. I mean, Jesus is written all over the Bible, even if his name isn't there. The whole Bible points to this Savior that we have who will die, who will redeem you, 
and for nothing that you have done, but by grace through faith alone are we saved in Christ. Hebrews 4 says this, says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word reveals your true beliefs and your intentions. That's why it's so hard to read the Bible sometimes, because it's like a punch to the gut, because you like realize, ooh, I am not living my life like that. And it, sometimes it's hard to stomach, but it's the truth, and it reveals what you're believing about God and what you're believing about yourself. But we have to trust in the promises of God. Um, I love in the Gospels whenever there's a man that approaches Jesus asking him for help. And he comes up to him and he says, I believe. Help my unbelief. He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And we all have moments of doubt. Absolutely. But what will you do with it? We have to approach God and ask him for help. Help your unbelief. And he will make his truth clear to you. Because you know God is faithful. If we ask him to reveal himself, um, ask him for a changed heart. You know, in John when it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Well, clearly he loves you. So if you're approaching him, asking him for help and understanding him and his will, then I think God will meet you there. All right, I'm going to pray and then we'll break off into groups. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for sending your son Lord, to, to redeem us, to rescue us, Lord, even when we don't feel worthy, even when we may not want it, um, even when we may not recognize um, what a treasure that is, Lord. I pray that we can uh, do some self-examination uh, this summer, Lord, that we will really consider who you are and what you mean to us, Lord, and that you would just make it clear um, that you are the most important thing in this world, even amidst all the distractions. And I pray that we can focus on you and just grow um, in who we are in Christ. I ask this in Jesus' name.